Hi friends, welcome to Wait Long by the River. This episode we've got a unique musical artist and genuine nice guy for you, Eric Parker. Before we talk exploding gas tanks and what Norway has in common with Alice Springs, I want to let you know about a run of shows we've got coming up. If you're listening to this straight away in early February, you're in luck. We're talking to folk rock legend Mick Thomas of Weddings, Parties, Anything on Thursday the 19th at our usual digs at some of morning. Then we've got Adelaide destroying artist turned folk master James Kenyon on March the 4th. And then we've got a super special gig by invitation at the Melbourne Folk Club, Geordie Lane. He's been a real success story. Uh, he'll just have returned from America. Apparently, he's wickedly self-deprecating. So, if you're into the true talent making fun of himself in front of a few hundred people, definitely join that crowd. That's Wednesday the 11th at Melbourne Folk Club. All this stuff is on the Facebook page and on the website, waitlongbytheriver.com, so you can find it. I believe in you. All right, time for Eric Parker. Enjoy. Expect for us to understand Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Wait Long by the River, the show that, contrary to the wishes of the government of the day, sets up an enormous photovoltaic array to capture all the beautiful cultural capital that is coming out of some of Melbourne's brightest creative minds. Long, long ago when I started this podcast, I did it with a first guest in mind, and for whatever reason, it's taken me 15 or 16 episodes to get him up here. But finally, I have. So please join me in making him feel very welcome, and I'm very honoured to have him on stage with me, the beautiful, idiosyncratic, creative... Eric Parker. Thank you. It's good to be here. Thanks for having me, James. Yeah, it's my pleasure, actually. It's really, really good to have you up here. Have you ever worked in a bar? Uh, behind a bar? Yeah. No, not once. All right, because before, like, the first order of business, and I know that it's not about us, but yep. it is in the long term, I just found out that when you order something in a long glass or a short glass at a bar, it's the same volume. Ah. Right? Okay, true or false? Who in the audience knew this already? One hand, two hands, three, one, two and a half. Oh, that's three. That's definitely three. Three out of like 10,000 people. That's not many. Yeah, and how many in here have worked in a bar? Oh, there you go. It's three. So I've ordered long drinks thinking that I was getting like value for money. More beverage. It's like ordering a large coffee and you get like this much more. Seriously? Actual drink. You've been a barista? No, it's just stronger coffee. Oh. And I have worked in a bar. I was no. lying. Really? Yeah. Just to throw me off? Or not not behind the bar. I was a busboy. A lowly busboy. That counts as working in a bar in the same way yep. that uh, playing a gig in a bar counts yep. as working I wasn't measuring the drinks, though. I was just... You're working for a bar? Drinking in that the empties. Mm. Yes. Have you, as a musician, have you spent... Have you had a whole bunch of really weird odd jobs? No. No, I've... Pretty much been playing music since I turned 18, and um, I've had a few jobs, but never a nine to five. And wow, yeah, that's about so it. you've been living off your music for how long now? What are you like? Nine, nine uh, <laughs> 27. So I've been uh, <laughs> doing this for nine years. So uh, and living off it has been a that's a bit of a stretch, uh, but that's that's sort of come in the last couple of years. Like if you can uh, call it living. Yeah, well, scraping by for quite a while, and now I'm comfortably living off it. So. That's, that's pretty impressive. Do you, did you pick up a skill? Did you come fully fledged into the world with the kind of skill set you need to get by on on that little amount of money, or have you learned? I was crap for a really long time, so that maybe uh-huh. made a difference to my income. Yeah. Um, you were, or it was? Uh, 
both. I like guess. it was crap having no money, or you were crap and so you had no money. Uh, I was pretty good at surviving on low money. Nice. It's like Grew up a in Frankston. So are you a Mitch Hedberg fan, the comedian? I uh, know of him. Yeah. Oh, because he has this great line where he's like, "Rice, it's great for when you're really hungry and you want two thousand or something." <laughs> it's like. Yeah. Are you a white rice or a brown rice guy? Uh, I'll mix it up a bit. I spend a lot of time at lentils, so I, I eat a lot of rice. And lentils and anything? Legume. For, those, yeah. for our foreign listeners, yeah. can you explain lentils anything for those three listeners we have in Canada? I can. So there's four of them in Melbourne and one in Sydney. And four? It's, uh, yeah. There's Footscray and Preston, where I live, mm-hmm. and Abbotsford and St Kilda, where I work. What's the vibe in Preston? Uh, it's chill. It's a lot like the St Kilda one, which is it's a pretty small... Cafe and it's a la carte, but mm-hmm. all the restaurants you um you there's no set prices on the menu. You just pay what you feel like, oh, what you f- the value you feel uh, you got out of the meal. Um, nice. Obviously, they have to meet certain requirements for paying the rent and, and some of their staff, but Sounds. it's it's the the idea is that everyone deserves a place at the table. That's what the, the founder uh, wanted to get across. So cool, it's good. Do you know the founder? Can you give me a sweet scoop and I can get him on the podcast? Uh, Shanaka Fernando. Name. Wow, that's a great name. Sri Lankan. That's um, awesome. I met him when I was playing at uh, Frankston Library. Great gig. So I'm supposed to be talking about how you know how good my career is, but I, but I do love playing down there in Denver, my my old hometown. Um, yeah. And they they get me down every every few months or something. And I was playing at a council event um, a while ago because I used to be friends with the mayor of Frankston. No way. Whoa. Awesome name as well. Uh, yes. Yeah, her surname's Mayer. As in John. As in Mayer Mayer. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> she was one of my guitar students, and then uh, she'd been on council for a while. And became one of those. So she got me along for this gig at the library, and um, uh, they booked me and put me in really late or something like that. And then um, Shinaka was doing his, um, his book launch tour, and I met him. And then he told me about the music at Lentils, and so I play there uh, at the Abbotsford one from time to time. And it's some of my favourite gigs. I, I totally stand by that. Yeah. My Abbotsford gigs at Lentils. It's a totally different vibe because you go in for two hours and there's an enormous group of people. So totally different to any of my gigs. <laughs> and, the, and the turnover is enormous and you hear different languages all over the place and pe- some people are really interested and others have their own thing going on. Yeah, and it can become a dance party sometimes. It's great. Like, it can be whatever you want it to be. Yeah. Like You can go in feeling like shit and play two hours of like downbeat and people are really interested. And yeah. then you... I go in and do two hours of... I'm like, oh, I've learned some Hank Williams songs and I just print off a bunch of Hank Williams and practice for two hours and people are like, that was amazing! We're from Germany! (laughs) We don't have Hank in Germany! It's a very special place, so... Very special. Yeah. Yeah. And it's... it's, I I donate my time when I I play there and you know that as well. And so it's it's sort of in in sync with the the philosophy at Lentils, you know. People can pay what they feel, you can take donations, but, you know, Mm. it's just a... It's a real passionate gig, you know, and sort of I get reminded of why I do this and it's to make people happy. Yeah. Well, as I said, I'm, I'm living off music comfortably now, so when I can play it, you know, uh, play it lentils and afford to just give the money back, it's, it's no big deal. You, know? you say that like it's no big deal, living comfortably off your music, but I don't think I've, what do you, get music guest eight or nine, and I think you're the first person who's been able to say that. That's pretty mm. amazing. Oh no, Al Parkinson gets by entirely on her music, but through diversifying incredibly. Like, she's a music teacher and a guide at a music school for young kids to tell them what to do with their career and, like, all sorts of crazy... Yeah. Radio host and runs so far sounds and all... But, like, you play music, you teach music, 
Yes. And you have rad clothes you can obviously afford to keep in good nick. All up shop, yeah. The only thing I spend money on is shoes, which are down there, and hats. Very important. <laughs> <laughs> How many hats do you have? Uh, three. All right, that's good. That's but I, uh, you know, once a year, I'll go and buy a nice hat. Yeah. And some shoes. Perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm ready for a new hat. Is it expensive <laughs> to keep up the beautiful dreads? Uh, no, I do these all myself. So it's, what? uh, yeah. They you can earn a lot of money doing that. But much like my music career and my performance, it was, it was crap when it started out. So they, they, <laughs> these looked terrible when I was 17. Was it just one big dread? Oh, I had a lot less. And when I was 17, and I'm telling stories, like just from all over the place. So, but That's like, the idea. That's what we're here for. Yeah, but I, I got fleas when I was 17. <laughs> and I see why you tried to dodge out of that. Yeah, I just now. totally went, oh, I'm totally talking about this because we know each other and I'm totally comfortable. And like, but, uh, yes, good. Yeah, it works. <laughs> um, I got, fl not nits, mind you, like dogs, fleas. And <laughs> so Who's dog? My dog. And so that was pretty hard. I was doing VCE and very busy and, you know, pretty set with having my dreads. I'd had them for a couple of years at that stage. I'm like, I'm not getting rid of them now. And so flea shampoo and lots of maintenance and picking them out of my hair. And eventually, you know, I had a lot less dreads and thicker ones. And then I had to sort of split them all open and got rid of them. But wow. Yeah. Is that how you learn to make rad dreads? By getting fleas? Yeah, and then having <laughs> to pull them all apart and figure out what's going on. Well, yeah, I've, so, I've sort of gone through pulling apart, you know, pulling them apart and then putting them back together over years, and that's sort of how they evolve. So if you got into dreads as an early teenager, does that mean that you were, from the beginning, you were a, a stand-apart sort of hippie-type kid? Or was that the vibe mm. at your school to begin with? You grew up no, really, it, was right? it, was, it was more at home, really, yeah, not, not necessarily at school. I've always had long hair, and mm -hmm. so that was, I, was, I stood out. From Quite the very lot. beginning. Yeah. That's so your parents' fault? Uh, well, they didn't make me cut my hair, so I was allowed to, and All I wanted right. to keep it. So that was, that was a good choice that they, that they gave me. But know. is that the family vibe? What are your dad's looks like? Uh, pretty, pretty short at the moment, but uh, yeah, when I was born, he had a mohawk. and nice. My mum was a hippie and my dad was a punk. Good so combination. And the result. Wow. <laughs> so do you feel like you lean more one way than the other? Uh, no. Yeah, I'm not an anarchist by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, yeah, he definitely taught me to question authority a lot. But yeah, I don't know. Very, very. Uh, they weren't like black and white sort of hardline polar hippies. Or, yeah, yeah. So. And is it true that punks reform and hippies are for life, like goths? <laughs> where you, like goths and hippies can stay that way until they're 80 and still be dying their hair black, but punks, it's hard to keep the lifestyle up. Oh, my dad used to joke about that because he was working for the Department of Human Services, so he thought it was really funny that he was a punk who became a public servant. Oh, no, perfect, <laughs> perfect lineup, man. Like, I know a guy right now who's a, a public servant in that area, and he, he's like eight earrings and crazy tattoos and yep. just an air of authority. When people question him about issues of homelessness policy, he's like, he just stares them down. He's like, you, don't you think I know what I'm talking about? Look at me. It's cool. Very cool. Uh, so you grew up in Frankston. Yes. Is that true? Yeah, Seaford. So yep. That's right next door. Any connection to Frankston's finest? Jeff Shaw? Do you know him? You related? Uh, Have you ever punched an old man? Uh, I think I've met Jeff Shaw. He rides a bike, doesn't he? He's certainly <laughs> an unusual guy. He plays the bagpipes. Really? Yeah, true story. Well, I haven't seen that. I'm sure he, I used to busk down in Frankston quite a lot. He didn't, he didn't bust them out to um, come and jam with me. But yeah. 
I don't know if I would have allowed that. Do you still basketball? Uh, no, not really at all. I mean, I'm, I'm teaching and hosting open mics and playing gigs all the time. So mm -hmm. I, I got a lot out of busking when I did it. I used to live off it. And that was just entirely playing in Frankston. Was, um, they were really supportive down there. It was great. And awesome. I learned a lot about you know, projecting my voice and mm -hmm. um, sort of some certain theatrics. You know, when I was standing up and just jumping around the street trying to get attention. And yeah. Yeah. Did you get a particular repertoire of songs that, that suited that vibe, that got people's attention and allowed you to yell and touch the guitar? Yeah, there were a certain bunch of songs. When I started doing it, I would, I would just pick, you know, I'd see a crowd of people going, I need to play this song, you know, just because it's mm, They'd all have mob tops and you start playing the Beatles. Yeah, you know, yeah. or you'd see someone's Pink Floyd shirt or Doors shirt and go, oh, I'll play some Doors, and then they, they get oh, yeah. past you and then they come back. But I, I liked playing a lot of um, sort of alternative music. Um, it was something I learned from busking that I apply to what I do at gigs now, because as well as doing my original stuff, I play other people's music um, mm -hmm. for bread and butter. And rather than playing, you know, the one big song that everyone knows and they can sing along with, which I can do quite comfortably. Daft Punk. Yeah. <laughs> which song? Isn't that Get Lucky? Isn't Get Lucky, Is that the song at yeah. the moment that just everybody would know from the music yeah. band? I don't know. Maybe around I'm really out of touch. Around the world, around the world. Oh, yeah, no, that's... Around the world, around the world. I'll do that throughout. Um, <laughs> uh, That's super powerful. But I, I like really the idea of, of you know playing alternative songs and having you know individual people coming up after a gig and going, "Hey, you played that uh, Talking Heads song, or hey, you played that Flaming Lips song, or something like that, or Beck, or whatever it is." Safe and I've and I've pleased them intensely. Yeah. And, and there'll be a number of people that, that will, will feel that same way. Um, and it's only them that knows the song, or it's something really special to them. I think pleasing someone intensely is pleasuring them. Yes. Yeah, so pleasure. Well, I get something out of that too. Then, yeah, very good. <laughs> usual. Safe Talking Heads audience, by the way. I'd mm. go, yeah. I'd good to hear. If you need a cover later. Speaking of which, do you, do you feel like playing some sort of thing? So I, I could do a thing. What's going on? Because yeah. I'm also just super eager to hear you play. All right, cool. Have you seen all these gadgets, James? No, but this is an audio medium. So can you tell us what's going on? What I can see is NASA. Yep. Uh, beginning, like recent NASA too, like landing on an asteroid NASA, not moon, faked moon landing <laughs> moon. NASA. <laughs> right? Is it that kind of crowd? Not that much of a hippie? <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to dukes later. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, yeah. Well, I'll explain my gadgetry. Mm -hmm. um, this is a six-string guitar. Very that's good. That's where I started. It was the first instrument I learned when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. um, and then moved on to singing when I was 14. And I've always been interested in production and, and gadgets. And when I used to play in a band, I'd have a whole array of pedals and things that I'd run through to get my sound. Um, but uh, at the end of last year, about this time last year, I got um, this unit that's sitting on my mic stand, which is made by TC Helicon. It's called the Voice Live Touch 2. And it's full of vocal effects, much like you can uh, using a studio uh, as well as looping, so uh, it's just allowed me to expand my sound a lot and kind of do the one-man band thing as well. Um, but it's got a lot of funny little things to play with as well in it. And then I got a few guitar pedals down here. What are you going to play? Well, I'll start off with a rendition um, just to get comfy. Cool. Um, this is a Massive Attack song.
Thanks. That is an unbelievably huge sound to come out of one person. Jesus, that's amazing. Wow. So, 
how do you how do you pick a song to take on with that? Do you just hear stuff and try it and then well, settle on the ones that work? Before I started doing all this stuff, I knew a lot of songs anyway that I'd played in different projects or mm-hmm. all my um my uh, gigs playing other people's music. So I'm sort of I sort of have to work songs in where I can loop them and have you know repetitive chord progressions and stuff. Mm-hmm. That song re- works really well because the, although the chords change, the riff's going through all the way and, and just getting a solid rhythm uh, to start off with uh, is, uh, is key. Um, but I've built up you know, a lot of different songs to play with the looper um, that work really well. I like ones that don't end up sounding too repetitive when, when you're doing it. You know? uh, so still, they still allow for a lot of dynamic know, vocally or with the guitar or whatever. Something I've noticed in all my performances of watching you is that you dodge that looper trap of just starting with a beat, you know, boom, boom, dum, 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 and then just layering a dum, 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 and like, and then building, and then you call yep. it a song when four minutes later you're like, all right, I'm done. This insane uh-huh. noise. Yeah, no, you are. Um, I found that trick of doing clapping loops. That's awful because uh, one of the things that's like tricky is when people start joining in. Out of time, uh, and, and the mic and gets it. Totally. Well, even if yep. even well, it's me getting it really. It's just like ah, oh, it's, it's clapping time. <laughs> it's one of my massive pet peeves, I guess. Like uh, clapping out of time. So if I'm if I'm in the audience at a gig that's clapping, I'll go and like look at people and go, it's here. It's here. Yeah. It's here. Come on, this is the on bit. Yeah, yeah, one. Yeah. I remember one of Joe Oppenheimer's first big loopy friend of the show, Joe Oppenheimer's first big loopy gigs. He did two or three songs and each time there was some sort of technical fault and then he finally got a beat right but right at the end of the four somebody said this is fuck <laughs> in the background so it was boom boom ka boom boom oh, this is fuck boom boom ka boom boom oh, this is fuck and true to Joe he just he, lo- he layered that harmony the yeah. rest of it was just beat for f- like for no- beat and an enormous harmony of oh yeah. this is fuck <laughs> which is great yeah uh, so you said you've been in heaps of projects. I know that you're a great collaborator. I mean, the one band of yours that I know the name of was Hopwood. Yeah. Yeah. Retired? Uh, on hiatus, I would say. It's, I, I really liked the sound that we built up. That was, I was with a couple of guys. Um, it was a few guys when we, when we started it off. Um, like 20 or 19 or something like that. Mm-hmm. And just started jamming with a mate from school and doing pretty rocky stuff. But that was my more electric guitar kind of uh, rock thing. But it, it started getting really progressive um, in, in the sound and we've got one album that we finished that I'm going to be proud of for my entire life. I'm really happy with it. We, um, That's a good feeling. Yeah, we, um, we got recording time through PBS. Um, we won their band competition like years ago and then went into Studio 5 and recorded it there and got nice. this really good album. And the, the engineer that we worked with was really dedicated um, and put a lot of extra time into mixing it so it came out really well so there's all the, there's all the stuff on that album that I, I still like the songs I don't really feel inclined to play too many of them these days but mm. that kind of sound I would I would want to go for again and I'd go under that band name do you reckon when you're like 60 and like an old dude and there's and, and you're playing some music would you, would you get together the band and one of them would be a teacher and one would be like in hospital and you'd get them together because he was on his last legs and you'd have like one last big tour and then like Roy Orbison, like he'd die on tour, but he'd die doing what he loved. And it's quite a serious hypothetical, but... Do you see but that? I could, I could see that. I could see that. you see that coming? Yeah. Yeah, good. Yeah. If that, yeah. 
if that happens, happy to have it happen to you on the show. <laughs> It'll be episode like 9,000. Beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Um, shout out to PBS if they ever want to syndicate us or, <laughs> or pay me to do this. That would be rad. I don't think it'll happen. Um, but you're largely a solo performer now. Uh, most of the time. I've, I've, um, well, to be honest, it's, it's, changed. it's changed lately. Um, most of the time now when I'm doing the original looping stuff, I'm playing with a percussionist called Christopher Windley. Chris Winley, huge friend of the show. Yeah. What yeah. a guy. So uh, he's mostly just playing djembe at the moment. But as I'm getting more and more into using this thing, I, I want to sort of develop it uh, more with breakbeats and, and the beatboxing and stuff. And so it's going to have more of an electronic feel as we go along. And so he's, we're, gonna, we're looking at getting him some kind of crazy gadget Very uh, good. of the uh, equivalent drum playing sort of vibe. Uh, but also with live percussion. So, but he's mostly just playing djembe now. So the, the EP that I'm working on with um, uh, the original loops that I've developed over the last year, but this stuff, um, he's playing uh, live djembe on that. So um, yeah, as I said, most of the original stuff I'm doing with him, I'm collaborating with uh, Citrus Jam, who's a... Citrus like, Jam? Do you know this guy? Sounds delicious. Ah, he's a flamenco pirate uh, metal shredder mate of mine who... Um, yeah, amazing finger picky and flamenco style guitarists, and we play in pubs and stuff and, and, and that kind of thing. And Under that name? Uh, what do we go as? And we, we just play as question mark. Oh, no, that's Because we didn't know name. what to call us like when we started doing gigs, so we just used to write a question mark. So we stuck with that. Um, nice, very Prince. For our little outfit. Yeah, yeah it's, very nice. it's Totes Prince. Yeah, down with that. Do you reckon people like Chris Windley? Like, to me, it seems like he's one of those people that he's like a node, he's a nexus, and every time I meet him, I don't get away without him making some new opportunity, whether or not they all come good. Do you ever yep. get that vibe from him? Ah, great networker and, and <gasps> just um, like loves every aspect of all the music that he plays. And, mm. and he's, he gets really excited about every facet of it. And he's, so that's, that's, that's why it's like, it's like networking for him isn't even like trying to push anything too much. It's just like sharing ideas. And yeah, he's not thinking of it as a career yeah. move type yeah. thing. It's just that you can't talk to him without ending up involved in some new project. Mm. Or finding some lost member of the band, or getting a great new gig, or yeah, uh, it's just people like him that hold the scene together. I love mm. that. Tell me about Circuit Bend. Okay. Because not people in the audience might not know. Wait. Oh, okay. How many hits do you? How many listens do you reckon this song is up to on SoundCloud? How long has it been since you checked? Uh, it's, I'm pretty vain, so I check it like at least once a week. <laughs> <laughs> and okay. So where was it up to last? And time we we just played at Earthcore, so I um I, I was checking before and after. <laughs> see what happened. But it's uh, it's up to forty thousand hits on SoundCloud. Uh, it's very 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 popular. Pretty song. rad. So yeah, yeah that's a, a rendition of a Tom Waits song. Um, clap hands. Yeah, one of clap his best. hands. So it's off the Rain Dogs album. Great video and clip with the him with the lantern and the stage set yeah, up and very spooky. Yeah. So very very cool. Uh, but Circuit Ben are a, um, a couple of producers that I've I've known for years. Um, really old friends of mine. I met met uh, Eli in high school. Mm -hmm. um, and we were doing music class together because he's a guitarist as well. Um, so it's I've just been watching their music and listening to you know over, over years. And um, about 18 months ago, we started collaborating just because I had some ideas for songs and we we talked about it for a long time. And I went around with my ukulele to play some tunes and like just showed them some basic ideas. And then I got around there and they'd been sitting up all night producing this track um, with the Tom Waits part sampled. They'd, oh yeah. they'd been fishing around trying to find an acapella track of it and I walked in and mm. went, I love Tom Waits, I'll do this right now. 
Um, I had tonsillitis. It was like perfect festival <laughs> season, so I was like really quite. I was spread quite thin at the time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just um, hung out in the little bungalow and drank ciders and recorded this Tom Waits track. I listened to it for like five minutes, um, got it down, sang on it, did a few overdubs, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was just, just an amazing, uh, you know, track that they'd built up. And I just jumped in there with the vocals, and then it just went off on SoundCloud. And yeah, Great. it's been really good. So I've been performing with them since um, April last year. Cool. So you do other tracks with them now? Yeah, we've we've got a couple more that we're we're performing, and a few other ones that we're working on in the studio um, to get together. But uh, more and more experimental every time. One of my ukulele songs um, is is one of the tracks we've been working on. So they've turned this little like you know psychedelic folk ditty into like glitch folk some kind of thing. I Genre don't know. So, yeah, it's so strange. That, that's that's still sort of in the final stages of mixing and. It'll be out soon, but we've been performing that live, so that was one of the things we did at Earthcore on the weekend. I'm a bit sad that you didn't bring your ukulele just because I don't think... I can't think of anybody else who is quite as experimental and unusual sounding on on the ukulele, except maybe... Do you know Tom Woodward? I've heard of him. I don't think I've seen him play. You and him. You're like the two mysterious ukulele destroyers. Like... It doesn't sound like a ukulele when you play it, so it's, yeah. yeah it's well, cool. well, it was a new, it was a new instrument for me. I only picked it up a couple of years ago because it's and so, so it, much easier than carrying a guitar around. Well, I, I got into it. At, uh, I was playing it at a festival up in Alice Springs, where I'd, I'd mm-hmm. gone on a big road trip with a bunch of people, and I'm pretty fussy about like taking a guitar with me and needing an instrument, and mm-hmm. I couldn't take the guitar. We didn't have room, so I just pinched someone's ukulele for the whole weekend and just fiddled around with it, and found that it really contrasted well with my voice, and so just got into playing it by being forced to and I thought they were I didn't like them before I thought they were just toys and, and I discovered all these things that I could do with it and, but yeah I just saw it as another experiment you know, and what happens if you don't have an instrument um, are we talking uh, Incredible Hulk or are we talking like Sherlock Holmes <laughs> in between gigs because yeah, sure. no, because you know he like bottoms out and he plays the violin and refuses to look anyone in the eye yeah, and shoots it's up heroin it's, oh, and it's a trait with any musician it's like if they don't have anything to play they fidget and Start hitting glasses and mm. and but you know I've always got the, the voice so that's that's something I can play <laughs> when yeah. I'm there. But it, it is very it, it's really hard to you know not be holding an instrument. Mm-hmm. It's so natural. It's just like one of my shoulders is actually permanently lower than the other one. So mm-hmm. it's like this is my natural stance. Yeah, right. <laughs> to sit there with an instrument. Um, I mean, on that topic, do you want to do you feel like playing any? Yeah, I'll do an original. Um, yeah, great. I think I might play. Since I've been talking about festivals and stuff, I'll um, I'll do one that's inspired by festival experience and all my friends and good times. That's great because that's where I want to go next. So you set up my segue without me having to do anything. Great guest. Cool. So you'll notice me flicking in between on the on the unit while I'm getting the songs ready. It's because when with for each song I have a different preset. Oh, very nice. With different kinds of reverb and different. Harmony effects. And that... I might not even use that in the song, but that's right. <laughs> but it's there. It's good know? to have it there in your tool it's belt. There. Yeah, it's yeah. like the shark repellent. Robin thought Batman would never need that shark repellent, and then bam. <laughs> I'm down with that. Uh, this, this song's called uh, No Lid on the Bottle, and I wrote it with uh, my friend Brady uh, when we used to live together down in Seaford. Um, we had the idea to start a, like a soul band and... He, he was jamming on this track in his room and I just 
came in and like zenned out on his floor and listened to him play it. And I'm like, give me that. And I grabbed it off his computer and put it on mine and sat and wrote lyrics. And yeah, I was feeling pretty inspired about life and things after, you know, a really good, really good summer and a lot of beautiful times with friends that, you know, helped me sort of overcome hard times. Mm -hmm. So that's what the song's about. <coughs>
very much how can you not be tempted to do the rest of the interview with the crazy ass vocal thing on yeah. is it not the, do you not just feel like the robot as, voice yeah it's like powerful as 10 men when you have that on oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's amazing it's it's kind of intimidating because some lizard part of my brain is like this guy has something within him from outside I imagine this how sham like shamans way back in like 10,000 BC had that trick of sounding like 10 people at once. Oh, like do you not think that? Yeah, exactly. Oh, that sort of thing. Yeah. I can't do that. Ah, fair enough. <laughs> uh, so you just got back from Earthcore. Yes. Now, I would love to talk to you about this because you and I are both doofers. Oh, lovers yeah. Lovers of doofs. Yeah. But you'd be amazed how many, even though what, hundreds of thousands of people go to these festivals every year, yeah. most people aren't aware of what we're even talking about. So, you go to heaps of festivals, not just doofs, throughout the year? Uh, it's most of them will have electronic music as well, yeah. Um, but I've, I've been to quite a few this year, but mm, probably majority doofs. Okay, so that's good. Yeah. That's telling. We're already working towards a, a yeah. definition. Like, what, what is it that makes a doof different? Like, when people say festival, they picture a bunch of p unwisely pinging 18 to 24-year-olds getting sunburnt in fluoro vests. Yeah, listening to German DJs. Which are no different, yeah. most likely, to like the work outfits that you'd expect them to be wearing. Yeah, standing precisely. Next to the road. Yeah. yeah. So, so what's different about a doof? Why is a doof a different thing? Because <sighs> you just so had your 10-year doof anniversary, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I just ticked over five years, but in that time I probably went to half dozen, whereas you're yeah. like a lifestyle. Yeah, some of the time. I had a bit of a break in the middle. Um, but yeah, once I started going, I mean, when I, when I first went to uh, Earthcore, which was the first one I went to when I was 17, but I, got, I got dragged to by um, one of the circuit bent guys because I really didn't want to go. Same thing happened um, to me with Dragon Dreaming. Yeah. Joe dragged me kicking and streaming. He was yeah, like, you're yeah, in my car now. Much it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, unless you want to hop out at 60 k's an hour. That was yeah. exactly what happened with me. Yeah, we, um, <laughs> we met each other at high school and, and went to this... We, we'd planned to do a, like a, a schoolies road trip and stuff up to Byron Bay. <laughs> and so, and I couldn't drive, so I had no say in like where we were going. And he's like, we're going to Earthcore on the way. I'm like, I hate that shit, you know. I'm not going <laughs> to go. I totally wasn't, I didn't appreciate electronic music. Um, even after listening to him show me all this stuff he'd written, I'd just like clam up and like, I don't want to hear it. Um, You'd be like, so yeah, it sounds like well done, man. Yeah. That awkward thing where you like. No, I know. I was pretty honest. Like oh, okay. <laughs> yep. Because he, he was a you know a guitarist as well, so I'd, I'd shown him enough appreciation for music that way. But uh, mm -hmm. going to them as a seventeen-year-old and, and being very introverted and not very confident about who I was when I first started going, I didn't really make a lot of friends and talk to a lot of people. But I was I was into the music, and mm. um, so you know it'll be electronic music, trance or 
dubstep or glitch or whatever. Now these days, like 24/7, like all the way through. So you've yep. got to be prepared for that. Um, terrain's usually pretty rough. Um, so a, a clever doofer will be able to camp just over a ridge and avoid the worst of the all night. Yeah, beat if, yeah, if or do so their minded. guy ropes on their tent so it doesn't like get decimated. You know. Is that a thing? Oh yeah, so people don't stumble over it in the middle of the night. Yeah. No, no. Well, they do stumble over it, but you put them up so that like for any weather conditions, because it can just happen, nice. and the show must go on regardless. You just mm -hmm. you have fun. You're there. Like it's you yeah. don't crack the shits because it's raining. You just go. Well, we're here. We're gonna have a great time. So, yeah. Because um, usually you're there for a couple of days, right? There's yeah, no yeah. Well, day yeah, three days or four days or Rainbow Serpent that I go to every year. I go from Thursday through to Tuesday. So, pretty filthy by the end of it, but just loving life. And um, but there's a Self-expression is a is a huge thing there. Um, mm -hmm. You can go and be, yeah, you know, exhibit all the aspects of your personality and not be judged for it and uh, or ashamed about it. You know, it's uh, and find support for it too, because a lot of people go out there and really push the boundaries of their self-expression and end up having a bad time. Mm. And uh, I've never been in an environment anywhere where more people will come over and, and be genuinely willing to like mm. sort you out. Yeah. Which, you know, if you went out once, I mean, Freud's got nothing on going out into a group of strangers and exhibiting your wildest behaviors and then having people around you say, yeah, no, well done, except that's for that fun. one bit where you don't do that again. But the rest of it was great. Like, that's, that's psychotherapy right there, but in the yeah. form of a festival. Yeah. Yes. But, um, yeah, no, I, I learned that from it as well. That was mm -hmm. my experience. And so I'm sort of on the other side of it now where I go, I see any kind of creativity or some kind of self-expression in a person where it's like you can tell that they haven't done much of it before and it's like yes you go you do that that's mm -hmm. that's what you want to do um do it in your life you know uh, yeah hold on to it yeah hold on yeah. to it and, and use it when you get home you know mm -hmm. obviously you can't i can't rock up to some of my workplaces in a dress and makeup but i'm quite comfortable to do that at a, at a party and mm -hmm. that's fine yeah, so it's sort of yeah. a transformational thing. You don't go there with the idea of just being a heathen for four days. You go there with yeah. the idea of... There's a little bit of that. Yeah, this yeah. is good. But look, that's, that's part, if that's part of your personality, yeah. it's, it's certainly part of mine. I mean, yeah, yeah I don't stop for four days. But, <laughs> but it's good. I think that that self-expression thing is really important because it really underpins... Like, every doof I've been to, the organisers, the people who put it on, they're right there. It's not like Big Day Out where AJ matters somewhere in a control room like yelling down the phone at some booking agent. Yeah. It's like you'll bump into a guy and you'll be like, hey, who are you? And they'll go, oh, I'm playing at 8 o'clock. You should see my set. And then you run into another guy and he's like, hey, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, I run the festival and I yeah. built that tent and that giant wall art thing was my idea, but yeah. I didn't have time and to do And you're meeting them on the dance floor, like listening to the artists and, yeah. and getting into it and getting around and engaging. Yes, yeah, so it's no, it's no separation know. of... Executive yeah. Well, no, no boundary, you know. They're, yeah. they're there to put on a really good gathering. Which is your favourite? My favourite festival? Yeah. Wide Open Space. Wide Open Space. That's great. I've never even yep. heard of that. That's in Alice Springs. Um, oh, yeah, that's why. Yeah, <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a combination. It's not entirely a, a doof. There are, it's, it's, you know, put on by a lot of guys that are ever into that, that scene and then play their own music, uh, cool. electronic music. But... Um, so, you know, during the day, they'll have a lot of uh, live acts, um, whether it be local from around uh, Alice Springs. Mm -hmm. um, uh, a lot of people from the indigenous community will come and play. Like, there's a, a quite a big, um, like, death metal indigenous scene. Like, cool. It's, yeah, it's really full on. Like, yeah. Really good. Um, well, so, so it's like Sweden, Denmark, 
yeah, the Netherlands, and Alice Springs. Finland, yeah. Alice Springs. Yeah, to the Northern <laughs> Territory. That's, that's, that's awesome. That's the succession. Yep. Um, yeah, so a lot of folky sort of stuff, and and I've I've played out there a couple of times. Um, this year I did the this kind of looping stuff um, mm -hmm. during the day, uh, and then late at night it's like glitchy and dubstep and uh, electro and that kind of thing. Um, uh, but that's my favourite one. Just yeah, a lot of it to do with where it's held. The place is just absolutely beautiful. It's the best place I've been for a festival, and that that makes a difference for the experience as well. Not it not does. just the the people I meet and the music program. It's like having some really strong connection with the land that it's on, and that's a really special place for me. I, I felt that at the yeah. letters Dragon Dreaming. I got I got there, and I was like, this is what Mars would look like if it had been terraformed to be livable. Like the soil is red, but there's a beautiful, enormous lake stretches off into the distance yeah. and like yeah. sharp jagged peaks but covered in lovely trees and ah it was just lovely yeah but now i have to go to wide open spaces sweet shout out yeah 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 go i'll, I'll link to it on the, the facebook page and yep. stuff um you said that you use music and the people around you to get through some difficult times is that mm. like a is that are you a person who's who's been hit by that kind of thing a whole bunch of times or are you talking yeah. like one big well, mainly uh, when I was uh, when I was a kid, my my mum died. Uh, like when I was twelve, she had cancer, um, and I'd started learning music uh, when I was nine, um, and didn't practice. And I'm like, I'm paying for all that now with like teaching guitar and having students that don't practice. It's like, oh, I know you. I was <laughs> you. I was you. Yep. Um, but yeah, uh, and then you know having having you now dealing with the grief and and whatnot kind of. I uh, got really introverted and, and had no choice but to sort of explore a creative outlet, you know, it was, and it was what got me through it, or one of the things that got me through it. Um, and so it's a great therapy for me and I've seen in reactions from people when I play sometimes that it's like it means a lot to other people, so I feel like what, what I get out of it and, and how it gets me through times, I feel like I can share that somewhat, not to be, no, no ego in, in what I've just said, like... Mm in that, you know, I can show you the way or anything like that. I just mean that's something really pure that I love doing that I can, I can give. Um, and it, it influences my writing a lot. There's a lot in my lyrics about um, uh, those kind of issues with, you know, depression and, and, and whatnot that I've, that I've got through. And a, a couple of songs about my mum as well, but mm. ukulele. <laughs> I, cer <laughs> I, I certainly uh, understand where you're coming from. Yeah. A big part of the reason that I really wanted to get you up here is because I remember seeing you on your birthday at the Grace Darling a year or two ago. Yeah. And so you my, said my birthday often falls on Mother's Day, which is That's um, right. yeah, a bit of a reminder for me every year. So yeah. yeah, so you said it was your birthday and I immediately everyone was like festive and you're like, no, today's a day of remembrance and, and you know, deep thought and then you played some just beautiful music and I mm. thought, yeah, that's when I realised that there was some serious depth going on behind the dreadlocks, <laughs> behind the dreadlock veil. Behind the cheesy grin and dreadlocks. Yeah. Uh, so how are you doing now? Is uh, your life smooth sailing? Um, it's it's up and down. I mean, you can't avoid tragedy. Um, mm -hmm. I don't I don't feel so. I've um, yeah, this year has been a challenge. Um, but I go through waves of just having, you know, uh, tragedies, and then the upside is that the the wonderful things that happen in my life bring me out of it. And Mm -hmm. And that process of coming back is always something really good to appreciate. Um, but yeah, I've, I've lost a couple of friends in the last couple of years um, to different tragic circumstances. And um, being able to inject music into those kind of uh, scenarios, like for all the other people that are grieving and 
um, uh, you know, as a as a gift to the person that I've lost and mm-hmm. and the people that have lost them as well. So I performed at my friend's funeral at the start of the year, and he was a big fan of the the clap hands circuit bent track. So I, I got up with acoustic guitar and performed that, and that was like, you know, a huge honor in a tragic situation. And um, yeah, it was. Wow, it's great that in those situations you feel uh, just a different expression of of your art. You don't. Pull I, th- back well from I think it it's a I think it's a bigger them. thing than all, than all my like career aspirations and um, you know need for making money and, and living off it. It's like mm-hmm. this is why I do this. You know, being able to live off it and make money out of it is just money is just a tool so I can I can keep myself going so I can keep doing this, keep sharing and, and keep uh, giving as much as myself to. Um, to the music and to other people as possible, you know, and experimenting and doing new things. Touring all the time, does that, how does that, how does it feel trying to hold a, like, do you have trouble holding a life together around the touring or is it just... In Melbourne or... Fit in? Well, I mean, like, because you don't have to have a, you don't, like with your teaching students, for example... I mean, do you have to sort of say to the students, hey, I'm going to be gone for three weeks and I'll be back? And oh, well, the, the way I've got it set up and, and the way I've been doing teaching for the last seven years or something, I've, I've worked at places that have understood fully that, you know, a lot of their employees are, are working musicians and need to leave the city mm-hmm. uh, from time to time. So the place I'm working now in St Kilda, Troublemakers Music, that, yeah, I can just give my boss a couple, of head, a couple of weeks heads up and he's like, yep, sweet, and he'll either take over the lessons himself or get someone in to fill in. And so that side of things is really easy and that makes it, uh, you know, I really appreciate what I have there. Um, because I can just go, oh, sweet, I've got gigs interstate or I'm going to a festival, I'm going to come back and be wrecked so I'll need the next day off or I'm going to be away for these certain uh, dates. And because and I know a lot of musicians as well that have taught, like, if he can't find anyone, I'll say, you suggest this person. or whatever. So it's quite easy. And, and with the open mics that I run as well, I, I know enough musos that, have, that are really solid and that I trust and I can just go, yep, cool, I'll be away for this one. Cool. And, fill in. and it's all, you know, a lot of them are all really set up and whether or not I need to lend them gear or whatever, it's, it's all very easy. So oh, I've, this is why I've set things up like this, so, mm-hmm. so that I can, um, you know, fly away uh, from time to time. You said that you make a living from music, but do you find that you have, do you have room for, what I want to say is exigencies, but I don't know how to say that. Like, don't say that one because I don't know. What yeah, means. good. Unex- <laughs> well, just like uh, unexpected events that cause trouble. Like I heard a trip. I heard a story about your trip to Adelaide recently. Oh where, shit! Like, <laughs> can you? <laughs> oh, good. That's okay. That's a. Rea- I was going to move on, but that's a good reaction. So can, you tell us, can you tell us what happened? Okay, June 29th, <laughs> 2013. Seared onto your memory. Yeah, it was a big weekend. <laughs> Um, so I, I go up to Adelaide every few months. Just there's a few really cool venues up there that I like playing, and um, it, it's you know sustainable, and I can make enough money out of it when I go up there. And it's good for when I travel up to Alice Springs. I can go through there and raise a bit of extra money for fuel and stuff for, for getting up to the gig. Um, so June 29th, 2013, um, I had three gigs booked in Adelaide. One was a cafe, and then a couple on a Sunday at different venues, like restaurant and then a, another music bar. Shout out venue names by all means, because I linked everything in the Okay, end. cool. So the, the one on the, the Saturday was... Chief? No, wasn't it? I've played there before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I haven't played there before. That's the that's good, one, good that's one in it. Adelaide that I haven't yep, played. Yep, Grace Emily. Um, yep, played Great at Grace venue. Emily from yep. time to time. So that was I think that was one of the gigs that I had booked, mm-hmm. and then I had... Jade Monkey? 
No, not the Jade oh, Monkey. There's a bar called the, the Gilbert Street Hotel. Um, mm-hmm. Like restaurant, awesome food, yep. cocktails. Um, cocktails as part of the yep. rider? Uh, no. Oh. They'll do they'll do free drinks of some kind and food and whatever, nice but it's, it's nice. But uh, yep. yes, yeah, so they, they look after me, and so I, I go up there and play. And then there was a cafe called Bliss Organic Cafe. That hmm. Really, nice. really good food. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had planned to leave at midnight and just drive straight to Adelaide, go and have a couple of hours kip, do the chilled out cafe gig, then go and relax and catch up with friends and then do the next gigs in the next couple of days and then drive back. I was going to be playing with my friend Mary Webb. Um, we're gonna be you collaborate with a lot as well, right? Uh, we were doing it last year, and then it's, it's, it's we're not, not doing it anymore. Um, we did a little bit of a tour to, to Perth and cool. whatnot, so it was just just an experiment. We a little tried bit of a tour out, so. to the other side of the continent. Yeah, well, I hadn't been there before, so yeah, ah. amazing. But yeah, she's <laughs> from Adelaide originally, so she was up there at the time. We we're going to do these gigs together. Mm-hmm. So here goes the story. I left Melbourne at midnight. It was going to take me seven, seven and a half hours or eight hours to get to Adelaide. Chucked on a Clive Barker audio book, so I was like in the zone. Mm-hmm. Like I'm going to listen to this like scary horror book in the dark <laughs> and drive all the way there. Yep. Um, and I so I fill up my car um, with petrol and gas, uh, and I was out near Bacchus Marsh. So I was only like 50 k's out of Melbourne or something like, and uh, the LPG tank fell off the car onto the road. Um, and was scraping along, like <laughs> hanging by the fuel line, and there's all these sparks and stuff going out the back of the car. And I was like, "Oh, that's that's weird." I didn't know what it was because the car was still driving on gas. So oh, of course. So you and see something similar has happened before, where a panel's fallen off, and I was like, "Okay, cool. I just need to get out and screw this back on. Whatever." Um, got out of the car, and the gas tank's sitting on the road. I'm like, "Oh, that's not good. <laughs> it shouldn't be there." So I quickly turned the car off and had to call the CFA, who came out, and they were like. Six trucks or something at one time oh ended man. up being th- like 30 crew on the site because they had to close the freeway. Oh um, what! And it took eight hours to sort out because they, they were trying <laughs> all these different um, things. So about an hour in, I was like, I should call Mary and let her know what's going on. So I sent you're about her, to be murdered by trucks. Sent her a text and. <laughs> Oh, I felt completely safe because I was surrounded by police and firemen. Oh, nice. So Red and white lights was everywhere. Fine. Yeah, it was, yep. it was quite well lit. So cold, though. <laughs> um, so I called Mary and said, oh, look, I, I don't think I'm going to make it to the gigs because this has happened. Um, and, yeah, so it, it went through so many different things. Of like, okay, we're going to tow you into Bacchus and fix your car on Monday or oh, we're going to try and drain the fuel and burn it off like in this massive Bunsen burner thing. And that didn't cool. work because something was damaged and then it was like it was potentially really stressful but all the fires were so funny like like just taking the piss out of me the entire time like <laughs> and so I, I felt quite comfortable and yeah so like I didn't really sort of freak out about it at the time um, after nearly exploding and uh, yeah how'd they deal with the fuel in the end did they just blow it up uh, they had to disconnect the tank and that's why they had to close the freeway because there was leaking gas Mm. So you have to close, like, the car mm-hmm. drives through it or someone's smoking a cigarette or spark plugs or whatever. So they closed the freeway so that all the traffic was getting diverted because it started getting busier and busier as the, the day sort of... As the dawn broke. As the dawn broke. you set off at midnight like a madman. Yeah. Yep. And, yeah, and then it was just this, one of the beautiful sunrises I've ever seen. So it was like, it's definitely trying to, like, get every skerrick of silver lining out of this situation. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, yeah, so... They disconnected it and drained it all, and they had to keep bringing trucks. So part of the reason it took so long was because 
the freeway was closed and the trucks couldn't drive through, so they had to go around through the diversion and then back through. And so it's like truck oh. after truck who had to like come and wash the fuel off. And like the f- one of the first crews that had been there that had left, they came back like eight hours. Like you're still here. Like, <laughs> oh God, is this your car? I thought it was funny as, but yeah, they were all, all really supportive and no one was pissed off. So it was fine. I was pissed off. But you didn't make it. I didn't get to Adelaide. Uh, suffice to Tragedy. say, and uh, yeah, but it, it didn't it didn't cause any issues. I called all the venues and said, "Oh, look, this is a situation." You're like, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. no, no problem. <laughs> yeah. We understand. Lucky They're probably glad it happened there rather than at the front of their venue. Yeah, precisely. Like yeah. it could have happened anywhere. Like Punt Road, like Peak yeah. Hour, or I'd just gotten back from Alice Springs in the car that I'd driven there. If that had happened in the desert, I would have oh, been. Oh God. Yep. Dead. So, lucky stars. Um, I notice, I notice increasing guitar grabbing. Does mm. that mean that you? Do you want to? Do you want to express some of that musical energy before yeah. we come into the closing stretch? The last thirty hours, because we are going through the night tonight. I hope you guys are okay with that. Yeah. We're gonna be strangling each other by the end, but it'll be worth yeah. it. I might do one without loops, um, just because I've been talking about the desert. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna do one about those trips. This is called The Crescent on the Cracked Horizon. It's inspired by my few trips to Alice Springs that I've done in the last couple of years.
darkest of spells All tides of grief are quelled Together our love builds this fascination For exploration Free from doubt and ever strong-willed Keeping my heart filled fantastic that's kind of what I was imagining when I booked you in the first place I was like because I'd only ever seen you acoustic mm. and then when you rocked up with NASA and came out with this enormously huge song <laughs> I was like what but that's great now I get the best of both worlds so and also I didn't know my voice could go that high so we're all <laughs> learning something tonight that's really good you now at 27 what do you wish you could say to your 17 year old self that would have made you that would have saved you heaps of time and effort in this career Ooh. Probably have a pretty long conversation. I was going to say, I have a really long list of yeah, stuff that I wish I'd known. So much. Like well, I like to, well that, that implies that I've learned a lot over the last 10 years, which I have. So I think <sighs> practice. Practice. <laughs> more, more dedication. I don't know. It's, um, it's, I don't know. There's, there's not really anything I'd say change because that's kind of like a time traveler kind of thing where it would create a paradox where if I knew all those things, I wouldn't have <laughs> been able to go on all these journeys of discovery um, because I would have known them already. Um, and then you might get caught in an infinite, infinite loop of being a better musician. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Each time you went back, you give yourself a better thing. Yeah. And in the end, you'd just be like Mozart. And you'd be like, this is all too easy. I don't give a shit. And so you that's kill the, yourself that's the first before thing. the yeah. time travel. And when I, yeah, when I, when I get that question, it's just like time travel is just in my head all the time. It's yeah, just, just like just paradoxes. And yeah, yeah I'm, I'm really happy with the, the, the progress I've made and, uh, and everything. So yeah, I wouldn't, 
necessarily say to change anything, except maybe a warning about the the story that I just told about Adelaide. <laughs> oh yeah, okay. You'd be like, yeah. make sure your LPG is bolted on and practice hard. Yeah, just do the bolts up. Do the bolts yeah. up. <laughs> Can't do the Godwin's Law thing. I won't go to Godwin's Law. Yeah, let's I'm not sorry. bring that into it. Yeah. If yeah, if the former premier, no, if. <laughs> so what's coming up? What's, what's next? What's coming up? I mean, you've got an EP in the works for next yeah, year. Yeah, that'll be probably Feb, I would say. That's going to be out. Um, mm -hmm. Just been working on that. I produce my own music at home. Uh, so just tweaking that at the moment. We've done all the audio for it with, mm -hmm. uh, with Chris, as I've said before. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, next year, what have I got? Um, I'm playing at a festival called Camp Casual, which is in Gippsland. Great okay. name. Yeah, that's next year. So um, that's something that, that Christopher hooked up. So Is that a dress code? Is that like a casual. little bit flouncy but t-shirts? Yeah, yeah. Nothing too uh, flamboyant. That sounds lovely. Yeah, I'll wear my prom dress. I'm going to uh, gonna make my birthday camp casual. I think that's lovely. Yeah. Uh, well, look, before we go, um, I just want to say thanks heaps for coming up here and taking the risk. Cause Absolute pleasure. Yeah. You never know what's going to come out up here. And I don't think you perjured yourself too badly. Yeah, well, I didn't plan on talking about Rolf Harris, but it's... it's <laughs> Look, you're on safe territory there. It's totally my fault. Yeah, that's right. I think I did worse in terms of perjuring myself, but that's okay because <laughs> I'm editing, so it's fine. That's the show. Don't forget, we have a ton of great shows coming up and you could attend them all if that's your thing. Uh, check out the Facebook page or wetlongbytheriver.com. We'll also be putting up his musical set as well as the sets from every other act in March. Exciting stuff. Later. Strangling each other by the time we get there, if we yeah, that dissipates all the all the, the fears. Yeah. And the gas. And the gas. All the leaking gas. Yes. Just so relaxing. Uh, he was knocking back. Whether it was theatrical flair or not, it looked like he drank three bottles of red wine in the course of a. It's probably mescaline or something, knowing him. Yeah, no, yeah, it was. <laughs> you seen that episode? Yeah, I know that. It's, it's the movie. Yeah. Well, it would have been Maccabi Diva for the three years in a row that... Yeah. <laughs> but if you could, you would have, but you can't, so you didn't. Are you a sci-fi reader? Yes. Yeah. yeah. But if someone met me and thought that I was a dick, I would like to think that they could still hear my music and, and think, oh, that guy's a dick, but this song's really good. Yeah, but take you specific know? facets of you being a dick. Yeah. Like if Hitler did paintings... No, you can't. Who's a bad guy that we can all agree on but isn't already tired to death? What about like... Phil Spector. Woody Allen. Woody Allen. Yes. Oi. Oh, okay. This guy's onto it. So perfect. Who said that? Photographer. Ten points, okay. Adam Bell in the audience. Friend yep. of the show. One of our most reliable uh, attendees. Thank yep. you. Married Shout out it. on the show to him. Thank you, Adam. He didn't have a moment in the street where he saw like a young beggar child and said, everything I've been doing is wrong and went and turned himself in. 
Now the fascinating witches put the scintillating stitches on the bridges of the boys who put the powder on the noses of the faces of the ladies of the harem of the court of King Caracas. We're just passing by. <coughs> and that's how it goes. The festival of Robert Rath Downey Jr. Really? Familiar with that. It's put on by uh, a musician uh, from Melbourne. Uh, it goes by the name Hudson. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's, it's the grapes of Rath Down and <laughs> a land Rath Down under. And, and Rath Down of God. Yeah. Rath it. down on the street? No, because it's already yeah. a street. Rath down on... Oh, I think they've, they've used that one. System of a Rath yeah, down? Yeah, that's... Hey! Nice. Rath down by the river. i gotta, I got to show Trav this. He's going to love it. Um, 